The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, and I'm joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, we have made it. We are in the (laughs) final editor's show before the NFL draft. We'll be skipping next week, so some of our draft experts can do a a final send-off before we get to the nitty-gritty here. Can you believe that it's already been, what, about three months since the, the Super Bowl here? And even more so, what has it been, two years since they announced the draft to be in Kansas City? Was it two years ago, three years ago? It's been a long, been a while, and a lot's gone down since then, and here we are finally with the draft almost ready to start in Kansas City. Man, I keep seeing pictures of that structure they're building down there going to be unbelievable yeah i think it'll be similar to what we see with the parades that that we've had down at union station but you multiply it by about four or five based upon some of the models and right i know that in in speaking with people in kansas city there have been restaurant partners that are considered official restaurants or there will be booths down there of like food that you can get at restaurants in Kansas city, but like you would see maybe at a Plaza art fair mm-hmm. yeah. or food and, and drinks. And as Steve has described on this show, it's quite the party. And so uh, <laughs> travel and, and enjoy responsibly, but it, it's a great thing coming here to Kansas city. And one of, I think many things that will be popping up here as we go on, we already have the, the world cup in the books for a few years later. And I, I can't help but think, and, and we're going to get into the editor's show in a second here, John, but I, I can't help but think about the question of if Patrick Mahomes never came to Kansas City, would they be getting any of these things? I, I mm. really, it's hard, to, it's hard to wrap your head around one person putting a, a city on the map, but I, I do think it is the case to an extent with Patrick Mahomes. You know, I think that's a really good point. Um, I'd never had crossed my mind quite that way but uh but i see where you're coming from it it always reminds me of the argument i made uh way back when that bo jackson after he decided to play for the royals should have made an effort to play for the chiefs instead of the raiders because that guy could have put kansas city on the map 
a long time ago and came pretty close to the way it was, as good as he was as a baseball player. But imagine if he had, uh, you know, been a Royals player and had a longer career in Kansas City, you know, for a, a team that was based on running the football. My gosh, you know, uh, what a star he would have been. Yeah, and speak of the devil, Mahomes must have a live feed of the editor show recording because front office sports <laughs> just tweeted out, the NFL draft in KC will have the largest stage and biggest screens in league history, a structure the size of a football field. 100,000 people have already registered, and the NFL estimates 300,000 total visitors. And Mahomes, a minute ago, tweeted out, I can't wait in all caps like he's an elderly with three exclamation points. Let's go, KC. Hashtag Chiefs Kingdom. So Mahomes is fired up for the NFL draft as well. On this show, we'll close the editor show content until the NFL draft. As we described, we'll be skipping a week and joining you after the draft to talk about, uh, let's say, seven to ten prospects. I, I tend to think Brett Beach will be <laughs> active yeah. and trading up, and maybe we won't see ten different picks. Uh, but on this show, we'll go through the news that we have to this point. And in segment two, we actually do get Brett Veach tomorrow in the media. We will get him live and in the flesh leading into the NFL draft. So Steve will join us for the second segment, and we will come up with some questions that we're wondering ahead of this very important Brett Veach press conference. And Johnny's usually a little forthcoming at, at, at that presser. And so we could learn a, a thing yeah. or two. Usually it's more so the, the Veach than the Andy Reid pressers about mm -hmm. the Chiefs. Yeah. And listen, it's not the nitty gritty, but it's it's the general strategy, the general feeling about how this draft might go. You know, we don't always see it in the moment, mm -hmm. but after the draft, we can usually go back to what Veach told us and realize, oh, you know, he told us he was going right. to do that. But we don't always notice it when it occurs. We'll be, have to be on our best behavior for this uh, for this press appearance. Uh, yes, when I ask my question, I'll be sure to smile as best I can, and, and maybe that'll <laughs> that'll get us some more answers heading into the draft. All right, before we get into the news, we have one review this week. This is from Hockey Fizzle eighty uh, five. I love AP for all their podcasts during the season and during the off season. They do a great job of keeping me informed. My favorites include editors brits coast to coast and shown bk all that said i have a bone to pick with pete uh also uh -oh. using three exclamation points that's now the second person on this show that has used three exclamation points mahomes and then hockey fizzle 85 <laughs> he continues during the recent playoff push i was getting caught up on the franchise and found a familiar face and voice but what the heck pete why no love for arrowhead pride the text said 610 sports which i know you do spots but no ap love work i don't pick my lower third and so i i think that they just go in whatever direction that that they want one of my roles besides arrowhead pride is to be the chief's quote-unquote insider for 610 sports radio so they go with that if you have any bones to pick uh a friend of the show dane van Wy, one of the lead producers uh, at at 610 or not 610 what is it 65 toss power trap studios uh, I was in his wedding. You can complain to him. Look for him on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, Dane Van right. Wise is the person to complain <laughs> to. So, you know, if you have a complaint with me, John, what am I going to do? I'm always going to deflect 
deflect. That's deflect, right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. no, no, no different than, than right now. All right. Well, I think that's skillfully done. If, Pete. Dane is the guy to go that, after on that one. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That is, that is the person uh, to, to complain to about any kind of lower third with the franchise, but great job by them, by the way, that is uh, an excellent, I think insight into the, the chiefs and look, it's, the reality is it's put out by the team, right? So it's never going to be what HBO is able to do uh, when, when you see that their, their training camp and, and hard knocks. Um, but just knowing that it, it's in house, I, I think they, they do as a great as job as you possibly can. And I highly recommend that you check it out if you haven't, especially considering the chiefs won the damn Super Bowl last year. Uh, by the way, if you leave us a rating and a review, we will read it right here on the Airhead pride editor show. We haven't had a ton of reviews lately. So if you want us to answer a question, if you want us to, comment on your comment please leave an apple review and of course we always appreciate the five stars all right john finally let's get into the news ahead of the nfl draft philadelphia eagles quarterback jalen hurts also known as the loser of last year's super bowl he signed a mega deal and i think in kansas city we are wondering john what it may mean for Patrick Mahomes, just because now, as it goes with the quarterbacks in the NFL, Jalen Hurts is the latest quarterback to sign his extension, which now makes him the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. And Patrick Mahomes, even though he did sign a 10 year contract himself at some point here, we have to expect that they're going to restructure this thing to make sure that he is taken care of. It's just when does that happen is is the quite literal and figurative million dollar question you see what I <laughs> or or half a billion dollar half question. a billion dollar question yeah, yeah yeah well i think that's a fair question but you know we've always known this was going to happen you know the one right. thing we know about nfl contracts is that once one guy is the highest paid player someone else will take his place in short order and i i believe that mahomes is now fifth in average per year i think is that right that sounds yeah. right I think I saw that. Um, so I, I don't know that he cares about that so much. You know, he's got a contract that guarantees him security, which is something that uh, I don't, I'm not even sure that Jalen Hurts has that. Um, mm-hmm. And for Mahomes, that might be the most important thing. So it may not be for a while yet, but certainly the drumbeat for the Chiefs to make a new deal with him will be accelerating in uh, the next couple of years. And I think the chiefs have made a point of it to never end up in green Bay Packer land where their quarterback <laughs> is disgruntled for any reason at all. Yeah. And wow. what you see is, is a five-year deal worth $255 million. And the agreement agreement also includes $179.3 million in guarantees. And, and John, not trying to correct you here by any means, but it actually drops Patrick Mahomes to the sixth uh, quarterback okay. as well. far as the average. The average goes like this very quickly. 2023 quarterback average rankings, and this is via spot rack. Hertz is now on top at 51 million. Aaron Rodgers just under at 50 million. Russ Wilson, Mr. Noodle Arm, 48.5 <laughs> million. Kyler Murray, 46 million. Deshaun Watson, $46 million, and then Pat at $45 million. And look, if you're Mahomes and you're his team, the, the great Jerry Maguire, 
you got to be saying to yourself, one of these days, this needs to be adjusted. There's no reason that Watson, Murray, Wilson, Rogers, and even Hertz, who was we he proved in the Super Bowl, he's he's that guy as well. But n- none of these guys should be making more annually than Mahomes. I think the big difference here for me, and this is kudos to the Chiefs, they they've established the relationship even before he was drafted, which was 17, which is now I mean, like six, seven years ago. Unbelievable to even think about it because time has flown. But uh, they have had a relationship with Mahomes' representation and a good relationship since before the draft. They won Mahomes in Kansas City. There was constant communication between Brett Veach and Mahomes' team, even when Brett Veach wasn't even the GM yet. And just mm-hmm. to try to do everything in their power to connect Mahomes and Reed and what it's turned into is all this success but Mahomes and Veach and the team they're never going to be in that position that Lamar Jackson is currently in where it comes out in public right I have no doubt about this Mahomes and his team have talked and they said look at some point we need an adjustment I you know that's reality but I just I think Kansas City fans should be happy in the sense that I can almost guarantee that this will never become a public thing this will always be a private negotiation you talked about the half uh, a billion john it'll involve brett veach it'll involve clark hunt because it's clark hunt's money and a lot of money and mm-hmm. you know clark yeah. hunt he's going to be very closely tied to whatever he's investing in on that front and then what i predict is one day Random, which will be great for us, John, because I'm sure we'll be enjoying some kind of summer vacation. <laughs> my whole restructure, and it'll be done, and yeah. it'll be the highest paid yeah. again, and that'll that'll be it. There'll be these guarantee mechanisms built in so that it's somewhat team friendly, so they can make sure that they have enough weapons to continue to compete for championships, and that'll be it. That's my prediction. No, I think that's right. I, I think it'll come on a day that we're not expecting it to happen. And, uh, you know, now that uh, Katie Camlin no no longer works at that uh, liquor store down by the plaza, uh, we may not get any notice at all that it's about to happen. So um, um, and uh, Katie Camlin is doing well, by the way. I still follow her on Twitter. But mm-hmm. um, uh, I think you're exactly right. It's it's going to be a thing that's going to happen. I don't think there's ever going to be any public drama about it like we're seeing with Lamar Jackson and Aaron Rodgers. We've got two big quarterbacks right now that are in the midst of this big public kerfuffle. And we're never going to see that with Patrick Mahomes. It's a great time to be a fan of the Kansas city chiefs. All right. Speaking of Mahomes, we got a couple of Mahomes stories here. He has said, and this is, I think a little surprising because we would have thought by now that he would have been okay. That that angle that was bothering him throughout the playoffs and in the Super Bowl. Remember, it was a high ankle sprain against the Jaguars. Chad Henney came in, was able to play through it, and then he appeared to re-injure it at the end of the first half of the Super Bowl before playing the second half. This is what he said. I, I wouldn't say I'm 100%, but he said no limitations. It's just when you go through a week of training, you're trying to push it through and, and go through the rehab process. At the same time, you want to make sure you're building. You might be a little sore on the weekends, but he thinks he's done a great job of pushing it to the right limit right now. Throwing, stuff like that, no limitations. He does expect to be 100% by training camp, but I, I, I just thought this was a, a little surprising. And it, it does beg the question, if he's not 100% yet, does he really need to be doing anything? Is he at that point of his career mm-hmm. where should Camp Pat, which 
we'll talk about here in a little bit. Should that even be happening at, at this stage? I understand that he's he's hungry to get better. He's hungry to stay sharp. Uh, but we have seen past injuries where he was completely off his feet so that he could be 100%. I just, I'm thinking out loud. I, I, I don't think it's terrible that he's still continuing to throw. But it, look, it. I'm looking at the calendar, Don. It's April 19th. What, mm-hmm. Does he need to be throwing right now? That's That's just something I'd, I'd like to discuss. Well, I think uh, one of the things that strikes me after learning this piece of information uh, is how courageous Mahomes was to play in the postseason and how amazing it was he played well uh, in the postseason if he's got an ankle injury that's still bothering him two months after the Super Bowl, which is what we're talking about here. It's been more than two months since the Super Bowl. Seems like it's been longer, doesn't it? But it's only been two months. Um, yeah. and the other thing that strikes me is we don't know exactly how much under a hundred percent it is. I, he did say that he doesn't feel like anything is being, he's not having to hold anything back. He can do everything. He's, right. there's not, uh, you know, moves he can't make and that kind of thing. That suggests to me that the number is actually very close to a hundred percent. You know, maybe we were talking, you know, 95%, 98%, something like that. And and in that's if that's the case, I don't think there's anything to be worried about. But because we yeah. don't know, then there's the question. Yeah, and I, I think he did compare it to the foot and said it's a lot better than that. And yes. I, there's no contact when OTAs begin, right? There is a, a management thing where I'm sure that he, he can do all the things that he needs to do in OTAs while continuing to rehab. But I... I don't know. I'm I'm just I subscribe to if the greatest quarterback we've ever seen through six years is any kind of injured. Just hey, man, right. Uh, right. Ride the bike and stay on the couch for a little bit <laughs> when training <laughs> camp begins. I think you get all the reps you need. But that's just my take on the matter. It's not going to stop Mahomes from throwing. He is so hungry and it goes into what is this year's edition of Camp Pat, Camp Mahomes, whatever you want to call it. He is holding workouts down in Texas with pass catchers. We have videos that continue to surface. We finally got an opportunity to talk to him on Monday, and you can get that interview right here on the Airhead Pride Podcast Network from the podium, in which he said he he's he's evolving, Camp Pat, where it almost sounds like there's a, a Google calendar. The Maybe someone with chat GPT can encrypt it for us and get the schedule, but <laughs> it seems like he has throwing dates on the calendar, and he says, well, here's, you know, where, when, when I'll be throwing, come down when you can. And so these pass catchers can fit the date into their offseason schedule. We have seen these pass catchers tied to Texas workouts so far. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Sky Moore, uh, Amir Smith-Marset, Justin Ross, and Travis Kelsey. I, I have seen Jerry and Ely also out there as well, potentially being down there. We haven't seen Kadarius Tony down there yet, John. Um, and I think maybe more so than Mahomes, that might play into the Chiefs' strategy of let's shut this guy completely down. Let's not even be on that hamstring at all. And like maybe let's try to reset what is Kadarius Tony's body. Um, and then, you know, you kind of can see if he can be healthy. And considering the departure of Juju Smith Schuster, John, right? Like it's going to be important for Kadarius Tony to be a little bit more durable than he has been in the past. 
Yeah, um, I, apparently he is down there. There's been some reports, I think, this morning that Tony is oh, down I there. I, I, yeah, I haven't, I haven't actually laid eyes on those myself, but I've seen some people talking about them. So okay. with the proviso that I might be wrong about this uh, because I haven't really looked it up, uh, it looks like Tony may be down there practicing now. But it's true that we haven't seen him early on like we have some of these, these other receivers uh, down there. You know, one of the things that struck me about what uh, Pat said about this thing is that one of the things he's improved this year is he's got everybody living together. They're all living in a house uh, down by a lake where they're getting the opportunity to hang out together more so than they did last year, where it was more, you know, we're figuring this out as we go. Now he's had time to think about it, and he's recognized that one of the things that can make this a positive thing for the team is to have these guys living together. And that's the arrangement they've made. And I think that's one of the key things that we need to take away from this is that Mahomes is figuring out how to make it better than it was last year when it clearly made quite a bit of difference in what these receivers could do without Tyreek Hill uh, in the middle of them last year. So I find that to be very encouraging, uh, even though we haven't seen all the receivers there right from the, the very beginning. As you noted, uh, Patrick's figured out a way to make it work that way because guys in the offseason have their own lives. They ain't got to worry about schedules and all this other stuff. So he's figured out a way to make that work, and I, I think it's fantastic. Okay. While you were talking, John, and, and buying me some time, I did find <laughs> the thing that you were talking about. The Chiefs have gotten photos of Patrick Mahomes and some of these workouts that are ongoing in Texas, and Kadarius Tony is is there. I I okay, uh, good. I see a photo of him right now. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is wearing a black Adidas workout shirt. Kadarius Tony is going no shirt, just as, oh, as wow. uh, yeah. I, it I when you get to Kansas City, not only does Andy Reid want you to be in a shirt and a jersey, he wants that jersey tucked in. A little bit lax <laughs> rules when it comes to tire down in Texas, but forget everything I said about resting Tony's hamstrings. They are working them down there. Yeah. Uh, all right. In, our, in Arrowhead South. So Tony is also uh, down there. The Chiefs releasing some new photos uh, of these guys um, on Wednesday morning. So that's actually a good thing. That means Tony's yeah. in good health and we, we should see him at OTAs. Continuing on to more Camp Pat news. There's a lot. This is This is the most intriguing spring camp uh, in in the country right now zay flowers of boston college a receiver that's a number 10 prospect for espn's mel kuyper jr he has been sent down to camp pat and what brett veach apparently wants is mahomes's take on if he sees flowers as a guy that he could potentially work with in kansas city this is a receiver that is expected to go in the top of the draft, I know there has been some takes about receivers and whether or not you'll see one, two, three, four receivers in the first round. Could be more in the, the second round. Uh, here was Kuyper's words on Flowers. Flowers, who had 200 catches and 31 touchdowns in his college career, is one of his favorite prospects in the entire class. He's so elusive, so quick, in and out of his breaks. He can play out of the slot or lined up outside. He can take a jet sweep to the house. He gets open. He makes plays. He forced... 25 missed tackles last season, the third most in the country for a wideout. Flowers' size, by the way, he's five foot nine, one eighty-two. Uh, that won't wow teams, Kuiper says. But if they just put it on the tape, they'll see why he's a first-round talent. I I think about 
taking a jet sweep to the house and I wrote this on Arrowhead Pride. Who do we know that might be able to take a jet sweep <laughs> to the house that is no longer on the Chiefs? That to me is McCole Hardman. And when I, I, I think about flowers and some of the size and when I think about the NFL and nowadays, I think of Devontae Smith on the Eagles. And, you know, this is a, a receiver who, you know, a lot of people consider too skinny. He, he does have a little bit of the height there, but it's a smaller type of guy and he plays big. And so I think the Chiefs are interested. I think the, the idea that getting him with Mahomes and getting Mahomes' take is interesting. We have heard from Andy Reid and Brett Feach that they keep Pat involved and why not, you know, especially now that he's gotten older, he's got all these Super Bowls and MVPs under his belt and he's entering, you know, that age 26, 27 season. So how interesting is this to you, John, that one of the draft prospects is down there in Texas? What an amazing story this is. I mean, it's, it's old news that players from different teams work out together in the off season, because there's all these trainers out there who make their livings uh, working with NFL players in the off season uh, for Patrick Mahomes, for example, it's Bobby Stroop, but Mahomes is not Bobby Stroop's only client. Uh, and so that's the case with all of these uh, workout guys. So the, this is why the NFL players all know each other really is because they have contact with each other at, and the off season when they go to work out with these trainers all over the country. So this is one of those things that looks like it's bad, like it's tampering or something, but the NFL can't really legislate it because this whole structure of these uh, private trainers would disappear if, uh, or it would have to be taken under the teams in order for this to be regulated. So I get why people are like, Oh my God, is, is are the Chiefs going to get docked a draft pick because this is tampering? No, it's not going to happen. But they've recognized that this is an opportunity that they can use for Patrick Mahomes to have some contact with a guy they're interested in and give them a different perspective on, um, on the player. And that's to me, that's fantastic that they've thought of this as something that they can do and that uh, guys are willing to do it. Oh, yeah, sure. I'll go down to Texas and catch some balls from Patrick Mahomes. But what a story well, you, this is. I, I love it. If you happen, Yeah, if you happen to be a receiver that's entering the NFL draft right now, right, and you see Patrick Mahomes, and you see the Chiefs just coming off a Super Bowl, right, and you see mm -hmm. that Juju Smith-Schuster is no longer with the team, and it's a very young core, and the right. hard are there for the taking you know you no longer have juju you no longer have mccall hardman where else would you want to go i yeah i think this is you know if you're i'm trying to put yourself in the mind of a draft prospect and you get that call and that's your agent you say what's up agent you know let's go <laughs> you know whatever tim or whatever tim the agent hey tim how, how you doing yeah uh i know you were going to go see the tennessee titans today but patrick mahomes wants you to go down to texas and <laughs> and catch passes for him I'd be like, me? I was just at Boston College this past year, yeah, and yeah. I was in class, and now I'm been asked by Patrick Mahomes to go down and throw with him. Yeah, I I don't think I'm going to go to Nashville today. I think I'm going to go to w wherever Patrick Mahomes is in Texas and jump as high as he wants and catch as many balls <laughs> as he wants, and I'll do it until midnight if he wants. And you know, <laughs> they they redirected his flight schedule. His his visit schedule and he's down there and 
the the bad thing about this for the Chiefs is now everybody knows that that they're on him, and I'm not sure that they're too thrilled about that. Or, right, this is NFL draft season, so maybe Brett Veach was like, "Hey, Mister Agent, Tim, we call him Tim. Hey, Tim, why don't you send your your prospect down?" And the Chiefs aren't even interested in Zay Flowers; they're interested in Quentin Johnson. So, right, it is yeah. it's it's that time of the year, and uh, we'll see if Flowers ends up being a member of the Chiefs. This would be a significant part of that story that. We would certainly be asking on you know, day one or, or day two of the NFL draft. Well, they would certainly, I would think, have to make a pretty significant move up in the first round to have any chance of getting him. I mean, there have been some mock drafts that have had him go, the, go to the Chiefs at 31 without a trade, but he is ranked pretty highly. And um, uh, I, I'm going to think that the Chiefs will have to make some kind of a move up in order to get their hands on him. But like you say... This could all be a smokescreen, and what better way to generate that smokescreen and to get all the media coverage that you get by having the guy go down and catch passes from Patrick Mahomes in Texas? I mean, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of receivers, uh, Justin Watson, role player for the Chiefs, ended up having a pretty big role midseason when all of a sudden Tony was hurt and Sky Moore had dropped itis and they had needed a punt returner, and Watson was able to 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 fill that void he established a rapport with Patrick Mahomes down in Texas last year this was another story that came out of last training camp Justin Watson described Mm -hmm. how he looked at his phone was from a Texas number didn't know who it was oh it's just the best quarterback in the NFL that wants you to come down (laughs) even a veteran and Watson went down as soon as he possibly could and a guy who had to earn his way on the team did and it also helped him get this two-year contract john six million dollars uh includes 1.4 million dollars guaranteed and seems like there's some incentives built in as well yeah uh the total value of that contract is 3.5 million dollars with an additional 2.5 million in incentives so in each of the next two years you know there's something that will trigger a 1.25 million dollars in uh in not likely to burn be earned incentives that will carry to the next year's salary cap. The key thing here is that they are guaranteeing $1.4 million of this contract. We haven't seen the final figures yet, the final details. As always with Chiefs contracts, it takes a little while for these to make their way to the salary cap sites. But what I expect uh, is that that is going to be his salary cap hit that they have basically guaranteed all of his money for uh, 2023, his his base salary, and then some form of um, incentive that's going to be about $300,000. So I think that guarantees that Watson is going to be on the team. And if they like what they see in Watson again this year, they'll be able to have him next year at a fairly low contract. Yeah, and I... I know that we had said this before, but I never expected Watson to be going anywhere else. To me, this was always a right. foregone mm-hmm. conclusion. I didn't, I didn't see the two years coming. I thought this would be one of those one-year deals that that they like to do, but they like Watson enough to to potentially offer him a, a second year. And I, I think the guaranteed money. I don't know if it makes him a lock for the receiver room, but pretty close to to a lock for me. And and that's where it really becomes interesting with these receivers, because if they're not keeping more than six of these guys, you know, I know they kept five last year. I tend to think it'll be six this year just based upon the number. But you have Richie James also in the mix. So Marquez Valdez-Scaling, Kadarius Tony, Sky Moore, Richie James, 
Justin Watson. I know Smith March said is grinding to make the team. Cornell Powell is still around. He's going to be grinding to make the team. Justin Ross, he's in the mix as well. That's all we're going to say about that. Uh, but then you also have John Ross and <laughs> Jerry Neely and some other names out there. Like one of these guys, I I think that has been around for a bit here, and you know you had a draft pick in there. That's going to be a tight room of of making that the top six. And mm-hmm. and yeah. Uh, again, I I think there's always a position that the Chiefs throw a lot of names at, and and this year it's it's wide receivers. There's there, I mean, all right, let's let's be realistic about the lock lockety locks, like the guys that are definitely on the team. It's Marquez, Kadarius, and Sky, right? Watson is close to there. Really, Richie James is close. So you're looking at two, maybe three yeah. mm-hmm. open spots for a lot of a lot of players here. And I think that is what makes, at least me, and I know that some fans are, are a little bit desperate for some bigger names in this receiver room. That makes me comfortable in, even though you don't have maybe like the, the, that high notable name in, in mm-hmm. the mix. One of these guys will be able to fill that juju void. I, I, right. I tend to think. And I, I think that's one of the, underrated and under talked about of each strategies is a lot of times he's not afraid to just say, we're going to take a, a lot of guys and we're going to throw them in that room. And, you know, we, we believe in a raw talent of a lot of these guys. And at the end, we're going to have some pretty good players and maybe they're just not as notable yet, but who knows, you know, you get to the end of the season. We've always been predicting that, you know, three 1000 yard receivers, maybe it ends up being a year in which you never could have seen it coming. And maybe that's, that's in 2023. Right, I, and I I agree. I think that um, that they have an idea when you when you really break it down the way you put it. Who are the guys that are really locks on this roster? There's four of them, right. and maybe a fifth one. So you know, all this conversation we're having about wide receivers is basically talking about filling one spot on the roster, and I I think that communicates pretty clearly that the chiefs are pretty satisfied at this position. And today our Brian Stewart wrote a piece on Arrowhead pride, arguing that it would be probably depending on how things fall on the first round of the draft. Of course, it would probably be a mistake for the chiefs to take a wide receiver in the first round of the draft, because there are other needs that are more important. And the way he put it was that if, all other things are the same. If you've got a, a wide receiver, a defensive end, and an offensive tackle, for example, that are all graded the same when it's your turn to pick, turn to pick at the 31st pick, well, then you're going to take one of those linemen. You're not going to take the wide receiver because the need just isn't that strong. Yeah. I I know that I'm, I'm not a draft expert. I never claimed to be. That's why I love Ron Kopp and the job that, that those guys do just covering the draft. And, you know, we've put up a lot of prospects this month, but I, I do have a good feel for the team. And mm-hmm. if you're asking me for my prediction and I try to be specific here, you know, I'm not going to name necessarily who it's going to be, but I think it's trade up in the first round for a guy who could potentially play left tackle. I just sense Mm-hmm. based upon my coverage of Brett Veach and Andy Reid over the years. And I asked Andy Reid the other day about Juwan Taylor. If you really listen to him, they're leaving the door open for him to maybe just stay at right tackle. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder if you get a tackle from the draft and you rotate these guys in 
training camp. Maybe Taylor's your right tackle. Maybe the rookie's your left tackle. Maybe Taylor does move to left tackle. And maybe the, the rookie who played in college at, at, at left tackle moves over to right because historically, and sorry, Mitch Schwartz, but it's been easier to transition into the NFL at, you know, on the right side than it is the left mm-hmm. side because of the Eric Fisher. Side. Sure. Lucas Niang, you know, we'll see if he, he gets some competition there, but that's my prediction. I, I just think it's a trade up into that 15 to 25 range mm-hmm. for a tackle that can maybe play left in the future, if not just right. And, you have your guys there, you know, now that that next wave of of an offensive line. And you know, we talked about last year with Orlando Brown Jr. still here. And, at, you know, at this time last year, we were convinced uh, that Andrew Wiley was not going to be the guy. So it was Orlando Brown, <laughs> this great interior and someone other than Wiley at right tackle. And we were like, OK, this is one of the better offensive lines in the league. You know, Brown had a similar year to the previous year, ended up playing himself and out of, out of Kansas City in, in a way. I think you're looking at some really high potential for this offensive line if, if the Chiefs do go and make that move for a guy they really like that they feel like can play on day one. If you really look at the Chiefs and their track record in seasons and recent seasons, they're pretty good about nailing these day one starters along the offensive line. It's not always at the other positions. Sometimes they, they are able to, especially in the, in the defensive back room we've seen in recent years. But they... I don't know if it's Andy Heck. You know, a lot of it probably has to do with the scouts and, and Brett Veach. But shoot, they they do a really good job, even in the the you know the rounds of day two and day three, of getting guys who can start right away. And if they really like a guy in the in round one, you can bet your ass that he might be able to start at left tackle. Now I know this is my <laughs> elaborate theory that I'm, I guess in a way throwing a dart, <laughs> but I feel like it makes sense. What do you think, John? No, I think you're I think you're onto something there. And we will we will address this further when we get to our next segment, talking about uh, the questions we'd love to have answered from uh, General Manager Brett, Brett Veach on Thursday. At yeah, least yeah. those my questions. We do have a more serious se- that. We do have a more serious topic to talk about, and that's Chris Jones and Justin Herbert par- partnering in a fishing competition. Exactly. Uh, exactly. They, they. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know exactly how this came about, but it was a celebrity type of contest in the sports fishing competition and Chris Jones somehow ended up team teamed up with, with enemy number one, really in Kansas city when it comes to <laughs> Justin Herbert and the fact that he's, he's the best by far in division quarterback, not named Patrick Mahomes. They were on team quantified. It was called 10 total catches equaling 300 points. And they came in second place. So uh, a second place finish for, for Chris Jones and, and Justin Herbert and any reaction to that. John, I think it's important to remember that this is a pro-am competition uh, that each mm-hmm. one of these teams had a third guy who's a professional uh, angler. But um, so so I'm not sure how much, you know, credence Stop. we should give to them yeah. coming in in, in second place. But uh, it's always interesting when you see guys who are literally playing against each other, unlike quarterbacks who don't actually play against each other. But Chris Jones is trying to hammer on Justin Herbert two times a year at least. And I think mm-hmm. it's always interesting to see those guys paired together in this way. One might make the case that perhaps Chris Jones should have thrown Herbert overboard while they're exactly. trying to pull him yeah, pull exactly. the fish. Yeah. Maybe maybe injure that right arm. The winning duo was <laughs> Minnesota Vikings running back Dalvin Cook and New England Patriots defensive end Matt Judon. They scored four hundred and twenty five points. So 
I don't know how the scoring works in these fishing competitions, but that seems like a little bit of a blowout considering that Jones and Herbert were, were way behind. So congratulations to Cook and Judon. We will see if fishing makes it to the Pro Bowl games this year. Andy Reid is confident. Jawan Taylor can go over to the left side. We touched upon that, and we're running a little heavy here, so I don't think we need to go more into that. I, I think it, the general message there is it's fluid. I don't think they've really right. decided mm-hmm. yet, but they feel like he can play on the left side. Brett Feach was ranked number two in this year's NFL GM rankings. John, when I was writing this for Arrowhead Pride, I was trying to take any bias out of it, and I know that's a hard thing to do just considering you know, we have media opportunities with Brett Feach. He's built these championship teams. They've gone to all these AFC title games in a row. So it's easy to have those red and gold glasses on, I think, when it comes to this. But I just can't agree with the idea that Howie Roseman, and kudos to Greg Rosenthal, who I think does a great job nationally, uh, just staying in the weeds of every team. It's a very tough thing to do, and Rosenthal does it, does it great. But how do you give it to, to Howie Roseman when this was a Super Bowl visiting team, a, a Super Bowl NFC champion team, but they hadn't paid Jalen Hurts yet. We just talked about the Hurts deal, and mm-hmm. now if he can make it back to the Super Bowl, that's impressive. But I just think the fact that Veach got through the quarterback contract and that draft class last year, again, trying to take any bias out of it, how do you do better than Brett Veach did last year with all those contributors for the Chiefs in year one? Number two in the rankings. I think he should have been number one. You add it all up. Trading away uh, a player who could be someday a Hall of Fame wide receiver. Um, Having that fantastic draft and having a quarterback who's already um, being paid as an elite quarterback in the league and winning a Super Bowl. You add those things up. I think you're exactly right. How is it that Brett Veach is not the league's considered the league's best GM? Part of this is, you know, the bias is always about these guys who take bad teams and make them reasonably good rather than guys who have teams at the top. Maybe writers feel like they need to identify the the risers as opposed to the guys on top because the guys on top already get all the the kudos but if that's the case what's roseman doing up there so i agree i think i think veach and it is hard it's very hard to take out all the bias but i feel like i'm pretty unbiased about it anyway i'm just gonna put that out there and i think veach should have been the guy so i think you make a great point and that can be extended to the coach of the year too the executive of the year and coach of the year awards and i'm just gonna be honest here they're stupid they <laughs> skew worst to first. They mm-hmm. do. And that's why Andy Reid doesn't win it. That's why Bill Belichick hasn't won it like a, a, a ton of times when it comes to coach of the year. And an executive of the year who, by the way, and I know it's of the year, right? So you're not including 17, found Mahomes and didn't get him. Didn't, they didn't have to trade up to number one. They got him at number 10. And then, okay, so that's not taken into account because it's what have you done in the past year? And they traded the number two receiver in the NFL. Like and they won the championship. I, I don't know. I I'm I'm at a loss. Uh you know, the second place GM finishes first in the ex- executive rankings. Whatever. I we'll see if he's <laughs> number one next year. We'll stick with Veach in our round table coming up on the second segment of the editor's show. 
We do get Beach tomorrow ahead of the NFL draft. Uh, the wonderful and always cheery Steve Serta will join us to come up with a couple questions that we have for the Chiefs GM. Stay with us. This is the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, our Arrowhead Pride podcast producer, Steve Serta, will be down at Union Station for the NFL draft. Steve, if people want to take a photo with you, <laughs> are you going to be willing to take a photo with them? Uh, yes. I, I don't know why they would want to take a photo with me, but if they really want to, I'd be happy to do it. Um, I'm just ready to, to, for it to start. I'm just ready for it to start. There's a lot. There's let me translate that right now. In, in, in knowing Steve for half a decade now, let me translate that for you. I'm ready for it to be over. That's what yeah. Steve is trying to tell you right now. It's got a lot of moving parts going on right now, a week away from the NFL draft. But the NFL draft is a key part of the Chiefs and their trajectory and, and their offseason because, look, they, they're paying some guys, right? They There's a deal coming up for Chris Jones. You got the Patrick Mahomes deal where now people are pushing because Jalen Hurts is the highest paid quarterback. It's expensive to keep some of these star players in their 20s, and so you got to nail the NFL draft, which the Chiefs were able to do last year. Big part of that was Brett Beach. Brett Beach will have his, and this is one of my favorite availabilities of the offseason because I do feel like we actually learned some stuff at mm-hmm. this availability. Yep. Agreed. Uh, we do have Brett Beach and his pre-draft press conference coming at you tomorrow. Steve will, of course, put that on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network under From the Podium. Um, but, John, let's go to you first. What are some of your burning questions for Brett Beach as we get into what is NFL Draft Week? Well, I've come up with two questions, and I'm I'm not confident we will get the answers to either of them, no matter what questions are asked. But here's what I would like to know, and I think it will, for both of my questions, I'll just give you the first one here, um, it will have a big impact on what we could predict the Chiefs will do in the draft. So here's the first one. How do the Chiefs see Prince Tega Wanogo? Now, for a lot of people, Uh, Wanogo is considered nothing more than a practice squad player. But in 2022, would it surprise you to learn that he appeared in every Chiefs game, including the postseason? He did. And he didn't play a lot on offense, but he played a lot on special teams. And this is exactly how you get a player ready to have a significant role on offense if he's an offensive lineman. Now, add to this that he was an ex- exclusive rights free agent uh, coming into this offseason. So normally the way a team handles that is to give a player a, a minimum contract for his, their accredited uh, seasons. And once they've done that, they've locked up the player for that year. Winogo got a contract worth $1.9 million, including a $400,000 signing bonus and a $500,000 per game roster bonus. How did he get that unless the Chiefs see him as someone who could play a significant role this season? So that's one question I would like to have answered is how do they see this guy right now? I like the question and I like the thought. I I think that he is a little bit of a dark horse candidate if my prediction that I mentioned in the previous segment mm-hmm. doesn't happen where the Chiefs don't get their tackle. It's going to literally be between Tega and Nogo. By the way, just so everyone knows, this is a Nigerian prince. The prince is not his name. <laughs> I don't know if we've ever talked about that here on the editor show. He is from Nigerian royalty descent in the Delta State, Nigeria. And if you look at his jersey, 
and I know how many people are looking at the jersey of a backup offensive lineman. It says Winogo. His name, his first name is Tega. That Prince part is <laughs> he's a he's really royalty, which is incredible. And who? Why does he even need the extra money? Since he has, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm predicting all the riches that he has in his Nigerian castle. But it is a player that, uh, again, it, it's an important piece of the puzzle, right? Like, is, is he going to be vying for that position? And I think we might have a little bit more of a, a clear picture about him and his potential after the NFL draft and seeing if there's another tackle involved. Mm-hmm. You know, I very much yeah. think, and and this goes back to what I was saying, I, I'm not sure if left tackle or right tackle is up for grabs. This is going to be one of the storylines of training camp that we'll be watching. And I think, you know, my tweets are popular because we like to have eyes on training camp, especially during the month of August. That rotation every day is going to be very interesting to watch. And I think, uh, you know, the, the Royal Prince, Tego Inogo, will be certainly someone to watch in that mix. And we'll see if if each has a, a answer there. I, I don't know if anyone will ask directly about Prince Tegu and Nogo, but I, I certainly know that there'll be questions about the tackle position, so maybe that'll provide some some insight. Steve, let's go to you and the first thing that you're wondering from Chief General Manager Brett Veach. Are the Chiefs going to trade up and draft Zay Flowers? After, <laughs> after, uh, working out in Texas from the homes. Uh, no, obviously he's not going to answer that. Um, but I, I would be curious because, as you guys mentioned, he does tend to give you a little bit more, especially in this one where he's not going to tell you straight up, but he will kind of let you peek behind the curtain a little bit. And I'm just curious if the thought process, when you look up and down the Chiefs roster and you say, okay, they need a tackle, they need they need another wide receiver, Uh, They could use another running back. Maybe they're interested in getting another young tight end or something like that. And you look at their needs. I'm curious how the chiefs view their needs and he's probably not going to like rank them or give you a list, but just like, just ask Brett Veach, like, does this kind of coincide like this list of players? Like, is that what you guys are valuing going into this draft? Is that what you're looking for and see if it kind of lines up because we're just doing it based on the roster that we go look up online, look at the roster, look at the guys they have. We can say, okay, these are the guys that play. These are the guys that make an impact. These guys are just bodies and whatever. But that doesn't mean that that's how the Chiefs view the, these guys. And Prince Tegawinogo is a good example of that because a lot of people would look him up and just say, that guy's just a body. Right. But as John mentioned, they gave him some money. So they're viewing him as he could be at the very least a rotational player for them. So I'd just be curious if he would give us any insight on on how they're kind of weighing the different positions that they need and how they feel about the roster as it's currently constructed. Yeah, I think the best thing that Veach and his team, the the best thing that they do ahead of the draft is they're ready to play tomorrow, which means Mm -hmm. not necessarily in the sense of, oh, where you think our roster is as good as it possibly can be. It's, well, we have players that can play for us on day one right now and Mm -hmm. that allows them to be a little bit flexible that allows them to kind of go for the best value and for me that is something that plays into my first question and and this is a question that you'll hear me ask and unless somebody else does before me and this is always telling it's the same question i i look to ask every year but and he describes them as draft pockets what are the pockets of value Mm, yeah if you go historically to when me or somebody else asks this question it really is enlightening because he if you go back after the draft he spits the truth like he you know he's Mm -hmm. said in the past 
No, we think in that in that draft in, in which they they selected Nick Bolton and Creed Humphrey. He said the pockets of value is in that second third round. They got those guys in the second round. Nick Bolton finished second in the league in tackles last year, and Creed Humphrey at the center position has been a Kansas City hidden gem. How many teams out there with casual fans in the NFL know the center's name? Aside from Philadelphia, right? Because of that Mm -hmm. personality. Telling you, casual fans are talking about. It's not many. It's not many. Mm -hmm. And Creed Creed Humphrey has become a a household name. So I just think that's always a, a key question to ask Brett Veach. What are the pockets of value in this draft? And further explaining that, it's pick to your gaining maybe extra talent for where they're predicted to fall. And he usually gives you an honest answer there. So that is something I'll certainly be intrigued about. John, let's go to you with your next question. And, and I think you came up with this question about three minutes into the podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, it was right before we started, actually. But I, I would just like to say that this is why Pete asks our questions and why I don't, because I've already lobbied Pete to ask him about uh, <laughs> Prince Tegawanogo. And Pete has just well, given me an excellent reason why his question should be the one that's asked, because you're exactly <laughs> right. He's not going to tell us what we want to know about Prince Tegawanogo but he will tell us about the pockets in the draft. And that has proven to be a a very important question to ask. So hats off to you, Pete, for that. Now, my other thing that I'd like to know about is a very similar question, but it's on the defensive side of the ball. So all the prerequisites that I had for my first question remain in force. This will help us tell what's going to happen on draft day. Where do the Chiefs see Charles O'Menohue? This is a guy who has played both on the outside and on the inside, but you can argue that he's more effective in either of those places. Do the Chiefs see him as a guy that's going to line up mostly alongside Chris Jones? I mean, obviously, they're going to use him in both places, but are they going to use him mostly alongside Chris Jones, or is he going to be on the other end of the line opposite George Karlaftis taking the spot occupied by Frank Clark? If we knew the answer to this question, we would have a clearer idea about how the Chiefs will handle the draft. Yeah, I think that's right. And I I, I think it also it, it's worth saying here in the line that they've built with, with Cullen and our film guys you know, do a tremendous job for AP. They've noted that the Chiefs have been building this positionless defensive line. Right. They have. So when we ask where do they see Omenahu, it is the question of where do you primarily see him? Because right. what they've been trying to do is have these inside outside guys. And we have seen him with the 49ers in the edge, but he has come inside and, you know, maybe it's more of a defensive tackle and the chiefs will try to establish, you know, where should he in you know, the bait in his base position? Where, where is that? And I know it's a good question, but I, I wonder if the answer will be every, it'll be everywhere. You know, I just right. sometimes that's that's the way they go, but it remains to be yeah. seen. All right, Steve, what is your next question? This is one that I, I don't think he's going to give you a straight answer on, but I, I do think he'll he'll give us something to like chew on that will at least be like, oh yeah, oh yeah, he didn't flat out say it, but the, this means yes. Um, and it really just has to do with the veteran wide receiver market and all of these guys who 
oh, Chiefs are showing interest. But I feel like every veteran player ever now is like, oh, Chiefs reportedly interested in them <laughs> because the Chiefs are the best team in the NFL. And so everybody's just like, yeah, uh, they, they're they interested because the Chiefs go uh, sign ring chasers now and they're the new Patriots and things like that. So like the conversations around DeAndre Hopkins, and I know DeAndre Hopkins is throwing – uh, fuel on the fire with his video kind of nodding and, and ducking and stuff like that about which teams he wants to play for. And he obviously would like to play for the chiefs if it was an option, but I just want to know if there was ever any actual interest from them because I, I didn't see it. Like I, I didn't see the interest that everybody was putting out there and speculating on because other than a few things here and there where it's like, these are the teams that might show interest there was never anything necessarily definitive about a DeAndre Hopkins trade. And then there's now there's the, the post June 1st guys and the, and those veteran guys. I just don't think the chiefs are going to have enough money to do that, which is why it's down to after signing Richie James and Justin Watson, like it is down to drafting another wide receiver, or this is the group you're probably rolling into the season with. Yeah. And I got to call myself out on this. I mean, I, I did say on this podcast, I remember that I see them getting Odell Beckham Jr. or DeAndre Hopkins, and I just, I don't anymore. Yeah. I just, I, I, I think that there's too much smoke here, and sure, it could be, could be coming from Arizona of a possible draft day trade, and the Chiefs can't trade for him. They just can't with the, the salary that he's currently making, and I know that maybe there's ways around it, but I just think it's too much for the chiefs to even work around now he has said in media opportunities that the bills and the chiefs would be ideal but just because it's ideal doesn't mean the money will work right. and now the, the 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 thing that could change things here is if he's just outright cut and then i you know i think maybe you reopen the discussion but and, and john i mean you, you are keep our salary cap and, and roster updated, you know, at this stage of the game, that's, that's really the only possibility for Hopkins. And I just, I do wonder how much Brett Veach would even talk about that type of thing. Well, I think it's fair to note that when you made that prediction, the salary cap situation was a bit different than it is now. And as it is now, I believe the chiefs have about 4.5 million in cap space. It could be as little as 2 million. And this is because we don't know, uh, the contract details for the two players that have been signed most recently. I think it's more than 4 million, probably about 4.5, but it may be a bit less than that. And the chiefs don't have the cap room to take on Deandre Hopkins contract. It's that simple. Now, could the Cardinals say, well, we'll pay X number of dollars on his deal. Sure. Could the chiefs say, we want to make this trade, but we want a new contract with Hopkins. Sure. Do I consider those things likely? No, I don't. I think we've gotten past the point where DeAndre Hopkins makes sense. I think Steve's point about the post-June 1st market is very good, that if they feel they need to get another veteran presence in the room, that that's going to be the time that they find somebody to fill that role. And I, I just think it's we're just past the point where DeAndre Hopkins makes sense for the Chiefs. Well, And, and as far as the Cardinals eating money, like I will say – that roster, I'm sure a lot of our listeners aren't paying attention to what the Arizona Cardinals are doing this offseason. They're going to be one of the worst teams in football next season. Yeah. So they, they could commit to just eating some money, kind of like the Rams did with the Allen Robinson move. Uh, but teams generally just don't want to do that. They want to get out of it as, as fast as possible. Yeah. 
I, I think they would ideally like to move that contract via trade, and, and we'll just see if it happens. My last question, I'll do it quickly. Uh, this is a month removed from Chris Jones tweeting and saying he wants to be chief for life. What's the status of the extension? We know that mm, it's a, yeah. a possibility, and I, I don't think he'll Brett Beach will go so far into telling us a, the exact status, but I would love to to hear the nature in which he responds to the question because sometimes you can tell if it is really something that may happen this offseason or if they would prefer that he plays the final year of his contract, which has been a thing that they've done in the past with Chris Jones. And we know Big Chris, and although he's probably very happy that he finished the silver medal in, in fishing, is is ready for his <laughs> new contract before you know an injury or something happens. I mean, he is as close to Aaron Donald as you could possibly get right now, and now is the time to to cash in on that. So that is something that I will be wondering as well. Thank you to Steve who to contribute to our roundtable. Our last thing that we'll do here is our flash poll from today, John. And All right. pulling, it, pulling it up as we go. This is something I always like to, to spawn on you. Uh, who is your favorite Chiefs free agent addition to date? I gave the choices, John. Charles Amenahu, Jawan Taylor, Drew Tranquil, or somebody else. A thousand Chiefs fans voted. Who do you got? Hmm. Well, I think the one I like the most right now is Omenahu, but I'm going to guess that Chiefs fans went for Tranquil. I think fans love it when the team gets a productive player from a division rival. That's what I'm going to go with. Very wrong. I hate to yeah, say Yeah, of it. course. I'm always wrong with this stuff. How do you do this, Pete? <laughs> you always come up with these questions that I will get wrong, and I don't appreciate it. I'm just saying. Uh, Jawan Taylor finished first, 38.5%. Amenahu was a close second at 35.5%. Drew Tranquil came in at only 23.8%, wow. even though he was the Chargers tackle leader last year. Somebody else only a 2.2, which, look, uh, I will pat myself on the back because that's that's a pretty good pull if I came up with the top choices yeah, with, without needing a another. Uh, but Jawan Taylor, 38.5%. So about a third, Chiefs, a, third, a third of Chiefs fans like Taylor, a third of Chiefs fans like Amenahu. And then about a fourth of Chiefs fans are into Drew Tranquil. So that is your flash poll. We'll usually post that on Wednesdays if you want to get involved in the flash poll on our Twitter account. You need to have a, a Twitter account to vote. And I don't blame you if you don't, because Elon Musk is out of his damn mind. Oh, boy. All here right. we go. Here yeah, we go. No, this is a perfect time. <laughs> Look, Steve is saying rap, rap, rap. Okay, okay. <laughs> So uh, thank you for joining us on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. If you like our network, you can leave a rating and a review. We'll read it right here on the show. As I mentioned before, we will be taking a one-week break from the editor's show. We'll let our, our draft guys who have been studying the film this entire offseason take the lead in, in our coverage next week in a, in a Wednesday type of show. I know Steve's working on that. We'll have draft coverage from the – Union Station with with Steve and Ron and some other members of our our team. I'll be uh, at Arrowhead. John will be running uh, the Arrowhead Command Center in in Independence, right, John? And 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 all over. You know, I think you'll be working from the trailer a little bit this weekend too, as we yeah, I will be for, actually for the NFL draft. So all over the the Missouri and Kansas areas, of course. John is a, a wilderness man, uh, so we thank him for that. Uh, if you want to commemorate the 2022 NFL championship season of the Chiefs, a dynasty begins. It's still available. Twitter.com slash PG Sweeney. I have the link. Thank you to Steve for working the background here and our, our roundtable. Thank you to John. We will see you in two weeks' time when we will have some brand new Chiefs. My name is Pete Sweeney. Thank you for joining us on another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Thank you.